Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. I don't know what you bring into the building, whether it's your phone or a tablet or a hard copy, but I'm going to invite you, take your Bibles out. And I I haven't said this for a while, but I want to get back to it. Man, if you're a follower of Jesus, bring your Bibles. I want to help you. I believe that's my calling and what God's asked me to do to help you understand God's word. It's a little difficult when you don't have it in front of you. I want you to be in the word. God wants you to be in the word. It's transformational, folks. It will change your life. In fact, I, I'll, I'll share this with you. It's something that I'm really looking to do um, is maybe do a whole series called legalism. Now, let me explain it. I, I just wonder if for one year we would actually do everything the Bible says to do because no one in this room does. But what if we got real serious? Because I hear people going, you know, they're always arguing the scriptures. I said, how about this? How about for one year? We just do everything the Bible says and let's see if things work out a little bit different than they have right now. Because most people live their lives and then use the Bible to justify it and make it say what we want it to say rather than what it says. So I want to I want to open up the word and that we would just look at it. And what does it really tell us? And then Jesus said, what? If you love me, you'll obey. And so we'll be in Luke chapter two, Luke chapter two. And as we're getting there, let me ask this question. How many here would agree that some things in life are not as complicated as we've made them to be. <laughs> Go ahead, look at your spouse. Right? <laughs> Isn't it true? Oh my goodness. Like for instance, um, assembling a kid's Christmas toy. It's not that complicated. Just read the instructions, right? How about, how about this one? Ordering at a drive-thru. Like, like, has anybody felt what I felt in a world that has vast technology? Why can't they upgrade the speakers of those things? I had better speakers at a drive-in movie, and now I'm starting to wonder, now I know what they did with those speakers, you know what I mean? Y'all with me in that one? Oh my goodness gracious. And then they put, then they put the menu where you're ordering. So you just pull up, you haven't seen the menu yet. And they go, can I take your order, please? I have no idea what I want, you know? And, and it's just, it's crazy, right? How about this one? Navigating a roundabout. Am I the only one in Sioux Falls that knows how to? Have you ever figured that out? It's unbelievable. How about this one? Turning on the TV at someone else's house. I mean, isn't it supposed to be simple? I do fine in my house. I go to someone else's. It's like, no, you need that remote control to touch this remote control. It turns on that remote control. And then you hold this one like this. And you got to turn it just a little. I mean, it's like, really? How about folding fitted sheets? How many have ever noticed they don't fit? (laughs) Unbelievable. 
How about this one? Getting your kids ready for their first day of school. Some of you are about to. (laughs) I want to read you this story because I think you'll really appreciate it. It's actually a dated story because it was before preschools actually came out, but it's a true story. It's about a kindergartner teacher who was experiencing some difficulty putting on the boots of one of her students who wanted to go outside at recess and play with his friends. You with me on this? It's cold, it's wintertime. So he asked for the teacher to help and she said, I'd be glad to. And so she pulled and pushed and pulled and pushed and pushed and pulled. At last she got them both on. But it was only for a moment when the little boy said, uh, they're on the wrong feet. (laughs) Sure enough, he was right. So he pulled or she pulled and pushed and pushed and pulled to get them off and, and then pulled and pushed and pushed and pulled to get them on the right feet. And she did. Once done, it was then the little boy announced that these were not his boots. <laughs> so she pulled and she pushed and she got him off. Once they were off, it was then the little boy said, well, actually, they're my brother's boots. My mother made me wear them today. <laughs> In spite of the fact she now wants to cry, she musters up the strength and she pulls and she pushes and she pushes and finally gets the boots back on, on the right feet. She goes, oh, so where are your gloves? He says, I stuffed them in my boots. <laughs> Anybody been there somewhere in life felt that? Well, with That above being said, and I'm putting myself into this ask, I'm just wondering if whether inadvertently or maybe even intentionally, we've made it a little more complicated than it should be for people to meet Jesus. I'm just wondering if we've made some unnecessary barriers, created some things that might be true to us, so we think, but we've made it a little difficult. I'll offer a few for you. Like, do we prematurely judge someone when they walk into the auditorium on the weekend because of what they're wearing? Now, I get it. I grew up in the church. Many of you know that. And when I was growing up, you wore a suit and tie. That's what we did. Now, some of you older crowd might be going, Yeah, we need to get back to that. Get back to what? See, I have to offer this only because it's a legit question because people do ask it. They go, well, did Jesus wear a suit and tie? And we go, no, that was different. Hmm. Could the same be true today? And does it really matter? But because we grew up with a certain tradition, I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Because we grew up in a certain tradition, and I'm not saying it's wrong or right. I'm just saying, if we make that judgment prematurely, have you ever thought of the fact that you might think it's hidden, but, but they now know? And it makes it a little more difficult, doesn't it? Just a thought. How about politics? Like, what if the person who's been sitting next to you, around you, 
week in and week out and you developed a friendship, you discover they're staunch Democrats or a staunch Republican. And you discover they voted differently than you. Like they're very clear to the fact that they're not happy with President Biden. They wanted to see Trump get reelected. Does that change anything for you? Like maybe on your car, you, it's very clear that you're a Trump fan or you're a Biden fan. I just wonder if anybody lost would even approach you now. Does it really matter? Just throwing a thought. How about music? What if you'd have walked in this morning and we were worshiping to rap music? <laughs> Will that affect your worship? Why? Are you really going to go on record and say that God hates rap music? You sure about that? How about younger generation? We were actually playing an organ, singing the old hymns. Would that mess up your worship? I find it interesting that we keep writing songs for God and we have to come up with new ones because the old ones don't seem to do it anymore. I thought it was about the who, not the what. Just thought I have. I have preferences and I'm not saying preferences are wrong. I grew up with the old hymns. I like the old hymns. Truth be told, you're not going to... I probably won't be the one who like this, but... I like it when I do weddings and they, they ask me to wear a suit at a funeral because I think I look good in a suit. And uh, <laughs> believe it or not, somebody go, why don't you wear it every weekend? I don't know. Why don't you? But I don't, I mean, so I, I'm just, I'm just saying preferences are okay. I love country music. I, I, I love really bluegrass music. I mean, my idea of worship would be up here with a banjo every day and a fiddle player, and we all talk like Jesus did, you know what I mean, back then. Um, see, I, I, just, <laughs> I just as well do that. But, but here's my point. Preferences are okay, and I think God loves the fact that you have a preference. I think God loves it that you like certain trees or certain food or certain colors. I think that's the beauty of God. I just wonder if it becomes a problem when we put our preferences as the way it's supposed to be. And then it becomes a barrier. I'm just asking the question. This is a message I've entitled the accessible love of Jesus the accessible love of Jesus. For the next several weeks, if you're someone in the room that maybe doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm really glad you're here because I think some things are gonna get said to affirm some things in your heart, but I'm hoping that you'll understand how cool it would be to be in a relationship with Jesus. But I really wanna talk to those who claim to be a follower of Jesus because I want us to look at something again, what the word of God says. See, if we're not careful, 
we chase a tradition at the expense of God's truth. And we got to be careful with that. Preferences are okay, but it's the person of God that matters most, right? And so I'm just offering, have we created barriers and how can we help those barriers come down? Because I think Jesus wants it to be simple. Fair? Am I alone here? Okay. So Luke chapter two. I'm reading from the TNIV, today's new international version. It'll be on the screen, but if you'd like to follow along, I really hope you would. There's some things I'd like you to highlight or circle over how you can and what you've brought. But I'm beginning in the 41st verse. It's a story when Jesus was just a boy. Luke 2, beginning in verse 41. Every year... Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. I I want you to stop for a moment and don't miss this. This isn't just a Christmas Easter moment where that's when you go to church. It does say that every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem, but this was not just a tradition. This was not just a cultural thing. As a Hebrew person, this is what the Hebrew people did because they were God's people and God said, this is what you're supposed to do. And thus they did it. But it wasn't just because they went to a festival. We also know very clearly being in the temple of God, having the Sabbath, the Passover weekly moment from sundown till sundown the following day was a part of being Hebrew. So don't miss that. That's what they did. Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. When he was 12 years old, how old is he? This is Jesus. He's 12. They went up to the festival according to custom. So this is his 12th trip. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. I remind you again, the message is the accessible love of Jesus, not how to be a bad parent. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thinking he was in their company, They traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for Jesus among the relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, I am going to hit this in a moment. Don't miss it. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. What a posture for a 12-year-old. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. Not like shocked, like, whoa, like, what in the world are you doing? When his parents saw him, let's remind you who the parents are. This is Mary, the one who got pregnant of the Holy Spirit, who the angel comes and says, It's okay. The baby in you is God's child, the Holy Spirit. She knows this. She gets who this is. They've been waiting for the Messiah. And for 12 years, she knows who Jesus is. This isn't a typical, normal human child. There's a huge God card in play here. Why are you astonished? And Joseph knows the same. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us 
like this. Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. There's the astonishment. But look what Jesus says. Why? Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they didn't understand that. They didn't get what he was saying to them. I wonder if that's the same today. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And now I want you to look at the screen with me. Come on, church. I want you to look at the screen with me because I want everybody to read together the exact same words. And I want to read it nice and loud. Verse 52. Come on. As Jesus grew up, he increased in wisdom and in favor with God and people. If you can highlight, circle, note, whatever it is, grab that word favor. Note the word favor. As Jesus grew up, which we're all supposed to do, we're to grow up in Jesus, not in our opinion of Christ, but in God's word. The truth is our authority, not us making what we wanted to say. Jesus grew up. And as he did, he increased, and we're going to come to that in the end. He increased in wisdom and in favor. There's that word favor with God and with people, both, both are necessary. If you got a place to write, I want to tell you what the word favor means. The word favor means to reach towards. That's what the word favor means. It's not the blessing that he's in favor. Therefore he gets all the good stuff. It's that Jesus increased in wisdom and in favor, reaching to God, extending himself to something or someone or someone's. You see, when Jesus was in the temple that day, he was reaching towards God and God was reaching towards him. But also the people were reaching towards Jesus and Jesus was reaching back towards them with his grace, with his truth, with his love. You ready for this? with no barriers. The moment there's a barrier, you're not in favor because you're reaching towards God in a conditional fashion. But to reach towards God in favor means to be in the fullness of, you tell me what I need to know and I will receive it. And in doing that, then now I can love others the same. If you and I are going to be in favor with God and with people like Jesus, we must be reaching towards God and allowing God to reach back towards us. But also it means like Jesus, we are reaching towards people with God's grace, with God's truth, with God's love and allowing people then to reach back to us without barriers. Are you following me? Is everybody with me? So what I want to do is I want to give you two keys to making Jesus accessible without barriers. According to this passage, how do we have favor with God and with people without barriers? And I'm asking you to stay the course of this message. I'm going to give you up front. It may cause some discomfort. 
But I don't know why you'd want to go to a church, call yourself Christian, where it's just comfortable. I don't know how you grow eating whipped cream. You may say that's my opinion, but we're going to look at God's word and then you have to decide that's where iron comes in. But we're supposed to be like Jesus, people, not excusing our lives that we're not. We're to be like Jesus, who too was fully human, but did not sin. We better ask why if we're going to be like Jesus. How do we make Jesus accessible as God's people without barriers? Here's the first one. It'll sound simple, but we'll pull it apart. Number one, we must show up. Say that with me. We must show up. Being in this room is a big deal to God. It is a big deal, people. Not because it's something we have to do, not because of legalism, We come in this room, not of a do, but of a who and his love, his love. We come here to reach out to God as well as allowing God then to reach back towards us, to challenge us, to encourage us, to affirm us, to instruct us. I don't know if you've noticed this over the decades, but this day, according to our grandfathers, they called it the Holy Sabbath. Did you know that? Well, then our grandfathers changed it a little and called it the Sabbath. Our fathers called it Sunday and we now call it the weekend. Which makes me wonder, have we substituted God's holy day for our own personal holiday? And have we taken what was meant to be a day of reverence and rebranded it recreational? See, I think there's something that God knows that we do not. Would would you all agree with that on some level? I mean, there's a high probability that God knows something that we don't know about why he made this day. That in keeping it, that just maybe there's more than we could ever think, dream, or imagine that happens. I want you to notice what the Bible says in Exodus 20. I didn't write this, God did. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. This was God's command. Remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. The word holy means to set it apart, to let it be consecrated as he gave it. For six days you shall labor. For six days you do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day. Watch to the Lord your God. It wasn't for us. It was for him. Towards reaching in favor, extending yourself to God. Now listen, I'm not trying to argue a point. I'm not trying to put anybody on the defense. I just simply read you God's word. Here's my question I have for you. As you look at our world right now, would you say that people need to go more or people need to rest? More? People need to go more? We need to be more busy? We need to get more done? It's interesting if you think that we're supposed to push harder and all of that stuff. Two thirds of Americans right now say, I'm done. I can't go anymore. I'm tired. 
I'm exhausted. Two-thirds of America is right now. I wonder if God knew what we needed. Obviously, we don't. Here's what I find interesting, and I don't want you to miss this. Jesus' family, you know, Mary and Joseph, they knew who Jesus was, the Son of God. They spent three days looking for Jesus. And when they find him, it's in the last place they look. Not the first place. I just find that interesting. And Jesus is like, you didn't know where I was supposed to be? We call ourselves Christians, but is there really anything different about our lives than everybody else in the world? Could one of the most significant differences that God gave us was that we get off the merry-go-round, we make our way into a place called God's house. See, I know that there's some of you might be saying, well, I don't need to be a Christian and go to God's house. You just told me the word of God is not your authority because you've denied tons of scriptures in there. You just said, I can be a Christian apart from the body. And you might go, but I have my own body. Yeah, you handpicked them. You hang with people that you like. Do you have someone in your life that tells you you're wrong? Do you have someone in your life that says, what about the Bible? What about that? See, that's, that's part of what God's trying to do in here. I will come back to that in a moment, that word increase. Because it'll shock you what that word actually means in the original language. See, I'm just posing the fact that I wonder if the world's looking for us and the last place they would look is at church because they know we wouldn't be here either. I heard it said, you got to be where the being is and I contend there's nothing more being than being in the house of God. Look what the prophet writes. This is a passage of scripture that very few people even know it says. This is an actual passage in the Bible, Isaiah 58. Look what the prophet says. It says, you tell my people this. Look what it says. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath. Remember when I told you everybody has two tongues, one in their mouth and one in their shoe? And a one in the shoe never lies. It's always pointed in the direction you're going. It's always pointed in the things that you think are important. But if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and keep from doing as you please on God's holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please, then, then you'll, be filled, you'll find joy in the Lord. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. No wonder David wrote, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Because I'm here to tell you, Disney stole it from the church. It's in here. This is where the magic begins. I heard it said, our hearts are not at rest until they rest in you. You got to show up. Got to show up. Got to show up. Got to show up. Consistency is the key to all success. Got to show up. See, I get family. I get kids, but I want you to listen to this very carefully. Your marriage is not more important than God. 
Your family and your children are not more important to God. If they are, you got problems. Your work, all of that is not more important than God. Everything that we have is only because of God. Regardless of how it came about. Gotta show up. I get we're gonna be away at times. I get that. I'm not trying to be legalistic on that. But I just wonder sometimes if we make more excuse of what's happening out there to not be here. I'm just offering that. I'll be gone Labor Day, going on, taking Jackson on a birthday. I get all that. You see me? I get that. But most weekends, everybody knows where to find me. (laughs) But I'm not here because of what I do. I'm here because of who who loves me. Amen to that? So we have to show up. Here's number two. We must stay put. We must stay put. And I'm talking, what I'm talking about, I'm not saying we're going to be here for the next three days, okay? All right? What I'm saying is, as in a commitment in my heart, that God, I get it. This is a consistency I need, but not just stay put here, but we stay put here. That I want people to know you can count on me. It's one of the things I love about telling people when they ask me, how long have you pastored that church? And I say, 23 years. I love the fact, I want you guys to know I'm here. Good, bad, indifferent. There's moments I'm not gonna get it right, moments I'm gonna get it wrong, but I'm still here. And we're better when we fight together over the long haul, amen? We gotta stay put. Look, look at this. Jesus is 12. He's 12 years old. Three days, and they find him in the temple, sitting among the teachers. Notice the posture, sitting. He's staying put, listening, asking questions, and everybody's amazed because he's reaching out here. He understands the necessity over and over. Jesus went to the temple. He taught. He went. He worshiped in the presence of God and in reaching to the Father. How many times do you hear Jesus say, not my will, but your will. I only do what the Father tells me. And modeling for us is he's showing up, but he's staying put, involved in the people's lives. It's one of the great joy of the Holy Spirit that Jesus said, I'm one, but I'm gonna go away, but I'm not actually going away. I'm gonna give myself to every one of you in the power of the Holy Spirit. Talk about a God and he's still with us, amen? I love that stuff. See, here's the deal, because Jesus was where he was supposed to be. He showed up, but he stayed put. He was in a position for the favor of God to reach back to him. But by doing that, he now has the favor with people reaching towards him. He's reaching back to them with his love, his grace, and his truth. Folks, we all know this. Everything that God does in and through our life is in relationships. Everything. I, I, I'm going to say it again when I said several, several months ago, if you and I don't get this right, throw your Bible in the garbage. Just chuck it. Doesn't matter. This is it. Our ability to reach out authentically, vulnerable, and let people reach back. I'm here. We're fighting together. Jesus modeled that, modeled that. By the way, you know what I think one of the great barriers that exist in the church right now is your absence, my absence. See, I'm going to ask you, just say right if you agree with this, that our world is struggling. Okay? People are discouraged, depressed, brokenhearted, downcast, struggling with their marriage, struggling with children, fighting addictions, in desperate need of God's amazing grace. Yeah. 
What if I told you the answer is you? See, this is why I come here. I come because, yes, I need to reach out to God and God speaks and reaches back to me. But I also come because everything's relational. And I have to ask, could it be that part of the reason you're here this morning is because God brought someone to his house and you're the answer to help and befriend them and love them? That's why when we do a moment of greeting, look for someone you don't know. Anybody can be friends with someone. This isn't a moment of a family reunion, guys. That's not what the weekend's about. Even though it's wonderful to see familiar faces, right? But it's also a moment to be the bride of Christ that we're reaching here. And by doing that, God gives us his eyes, his heart, and we look across the room. And if we're walking here, the spirit of God speaks and says, go say hi to that person. And because it's the Sabbath, not our day, you walk over to them and you say, listen, hey, I just want to introduce myself. And you know, it moves to, what are you doing for lunch? Do you let my wife or maybe just yourself, maybe we could just go grab coffee or something? I'd really like that. You see how it works? So it's little, little moments, little conversations. See, I fully believe in the local church, that the church is here and it needs to go out into our world. But don't we first need to have, if we're gonna have a strong presence in Sioux Falls, don't we first foremost need a strong presence in the community of God? If you don't agree with that, well then you don't agree with what Jesus said. The world, watch this, by this all people, the world will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. The power of us being in community, reaching towards God, the favor of God reaching back and reaching towards each other. Something beautiful happens. We need that. And God understands that. So I'm going to invite Ryan to come out. And I told you I wanted to look at this word hammer or, or increase. And I want to tell you what it means. See, we got to show up where God is and God is in his house. Yes, God is in the world, but he's, but listen to this, he's in the world because he's in here. What parent in this room doesn't want their children to have a consistency of being home? How many parents, I'm going to ask them a show of hands, have told their child, listen, I'm not going to have you do that sleepover. You need to be at home. You've been gone a lot this week. You understand that as a parent, how much greater does God understand with his kids? I believe in the local church. I believe that God still wants to do something. I believe we need to have small groups that we hang out with, but I still believe in the corporate work. Why? Because it's in the Bible. We come in this room. We have people that come up and pray. In the weeks ahead, we're going to flip that. We're not going to do it at the end of the service. We're going to do it in part of when we're singing a song. We're going to open the altar. What a time for people to come and let people pray for them. While we're worshiping, say, God, I just need help. My marriage, my child. That's reaching out to God. And God will reach back. And who knows that you might sit down and someone puts their hand on your shoulder and says, listen, I've been praying for you too. And then you have a conversation and something unbelievable happens. Let me tell you this. God has answered every one of your prayers. And most of those are answered by the people that are sitting around you at church. 
You'd be amazed how God's done it in my life. You'd be amazed. I could get real personal here, but I don't have time to do that. Over and over, week in and week out, God speaks to me. Something happens here in the weekend. And when I go on vacation, church is not an option. It's what I do. And you have no clue how many churches my wife and I have been at. And someone walks up and we meet him and God's, I'm like, that's why I was supposed to be here today. And then I realized the big church, the universal church, that no matter where I go, God still keeps his eye on the sparrow. It's the power. But we need to be committed, staying put with each other. Folks, trust isn't built in a matter of moment. It's built in many moments over a matter of time. It just takes time. That's what my mom always, always would say to me. Just takes time. Give it time. This word increase, I'm going to tell you what it means. And I want you to look at this passage again where it says, as Jesus grew up, he increased. We think, wow, he's, this is happening. And we see it as favor, as blessings. But I just told you, the favor is reaching out because Jesus was reaching out to God. He was getting the favor of God because God was reaching back and he had favor with both God and people because he was reaching to the people as well. But you know what the word increase means? It's not a growth thing. The word means to lengthen by hammering. Isn't that interesting? When Jesus showed up, he laid himself on the altar of God, on the anvil of God, and said, beat on me. Not my will, but your will. Beat on me. I want to grow. The increase is because he positioned himself for God to speak. How we miss the incredible opportunity to grow when we got the word of God and I want to show you what it says. I may get it wrong. I get that, but I'd rather get it wrong. Keep trying for Jesus than not to do anything at all. I say it all the time to you, but we can't truly grow unless God has access to our lives and permission to hammer as much as he needs to hammer on it as he increases us in wisdom. And when we have that posture, we have the favor of God and the favor of people. We need to let God work on us if we want him to work through us and in us. This is why we come here week in and week out to show up, stay put, stay in over the long haul. Amen. So who are you going to invite to at the movies this fall? Eight weeks, we're pulling movies apart. Not that we're endorsing these movies, but we believe that we can do something good that maybe man meant for evil. And there's great principles in them. What a time. Who are you going to bring? And then the last thing I offer is, what if you chose for eight weeks on a Tuesday night, make whatever sacrifice changes and we'll, we'll do it again. But what if this fall, we as a church chose to come into this room for eight Tuesday nights with our Old Testament and opened up and say, God, speak. I want to know your word. I want to know it backward. I want to know it forward. I want to know it. And my Bible says, if we seek him with all our heart, we'll find him. The favor of God. The favor of God. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I love what happens in this room. I love the church. 
I think this is the most amazing group of people. God, definitely in 23 years, we could all cite things that, yeah, could have done, been done better. Maybe we're even done wrong. But what a journey of watching you hammer on our lives, specifically mine. What more could I ask for? God, to just reach to you, knowing you will reach back. To seek first the kingdom, there's no second in all of these things you have you'll take care of. God, I get there's going to be moments. Yes, we may be gone. We live in a world that the Sabbath doesn't mean much anymore. And so, yes, we might have to work here and there. Get all that. I'm not talking about a justification. I'm asking us to really check our hearts and ask ourselves some honest questions. God, the opportunity we have to come after six days of this world, to come into this room seeking you fully, completely vulnerable, open, honest, authentic, watching you reach back and in doing so, hearing your spirit speak through us to reach to someone else, watch them reach back. Oh, God, I want to be a church that has favor of God and the favor of people. If you don't know Jesus, I just want you to pray these words right now. I want to know you, Jesus. I don't get it all. I don't understand it all. But I want your favor. I know it might hurt. That you might speak into me some things that I need to face, that I need to do. But speak. Because I know you love me. You'll do nothing to hurt me, but to give me your best. So I give you what I have, my life. Have your way. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone says, amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.